0: Wasn't that a great song? I belong to you. That was just a heart-touching song to get it into uh, <clears throat> our noggin and down into our heart. It really is. What a, a prayer <clears throat> to acknowledge. We well, you know uh, we started, this is actually part three. You know, this is the third week we've been talking about what on earth am I here for? It's a question that we've had as we're young, a question that we've had as we've, you know, grown older and gone through school, a question we have in middle life and old age. That question still pops into our hearts and our minds, you know, from time to time. What am I here for? I've accomplished certain things maybe, but why am I still here? What on earth am I here for? Well, we've been doing this series, and it's really been greatly inspiring to me personally as I've been digging through all this material, and it's just been uh, inspiring and challenging me. And I want to encourage you, if, if you've not gotten a book yet, you know, uh, they have been having some in the back, so hopefully they do, but if they don't, they are downstairs, and everybody should have a book. doesn't matter if you can afford it or not, everybody gets a book, okay? So stop in at the Resource Center. You tell them the Pastor Ron said, that's my book, and I want it now, you know. Um, And there's a daily reading. It's like a devotional. There's a a daily reading. You read it one a day. And you know what? I got an awesome deal going on in my life. You know, Susan is going to read it. So I just ask her to turn the volume up when she reads it so I can hear it, you know. Sounds like cheating, don't it? No, it doesn't, you know. Uh, so we kind of read it together lots of times, but it's really great. And, uh, Susan has found out that she uses it a whole lot. When she's talking to different ones, She say, like, go to page four and read this to someone. And it's just what they needed to hear, you know, so great book. And then there's a workbook. And if you're not involved in a life group, it is not too late to get involved in a life group. It is life changing. It really is. You get together with some other people, You discuss. Rick Warren has a little 20-minute lesson. I'll ask you questions. You'll discuss these things, how we apply them to our life, and you'll meet some awesome people in my life group. They become some of my dearest friends, you know. We do life together. That's what life groups is really all about. So, part three, what on earth am I here for? Um, You're called to belong. That's what we're talking about today. That song was so appropriate, you know, I belong to you. But we are called, God has called us to belong. That's what I want to talk about. Last week, you know, we talked about the first calling. You're called to be uh, Love. loved, okay? At least one person remember what we talked about. <laughs> You're called to be loved. And today, we want to talk about you've been called to belong. God never intended for you to do life alone. That was not part of his plan, ever has been. You know, you've been called to be loved, and you've you've been called to belong, to to belong to to his family, to to belong to his church, which will go on on and on and on and on and on and on and on forever. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 2, verse 10, it says, God is the one who made all things. And all things are for his glory. The word glory just means honor. Everything that he's created, that he's made, he's made for his glory, for his honor. And he wanted to have many children. God did. He wanted to have many children sharing his glory. I mean, that's that's part of God's heart. That's who God is. Many children is what God wanted. See, God created the entire universe because he wanted a family. Is family a good thing? Absolutely. And maybe you've had a bad experience in family. Just because it's not been working properly, that don't mean that's the way God's family is. God has spectacular families, amazing, and he doesn't want his children to be orphans. He doesn't want his children to, to just live on the streets. That's not the way God is, you know. He puts his children in the family. And the family is called the church. So God, he formed me and he formed you for his family. That's the truth of it, you know. If God did not want a family, you and I would not exist. That's just the way it is. But he wanted a family, so we exist. In the book of Ephesians chapter 1... Verse 4, it says, Long ago, even before he made the world, God loved us. Now, we talked about last week, and it's just so profound. He loved us before he ever even created the earth. He loved us. And he chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. His unchanging plan, he never deviates from this. His unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family. His unchanging plan has been that we belong to his family. He loved us from the very beginning, and his unchanging plan has been that you and I belong to his family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. And this gave him great pleasure. The only way you can get to God in heaven is through Jesus. There is no other way. A lot of people may act like there is. Jesus is the one who gave his life, sinless as he was, gave his life, paid for our sins, and that's the only thing that keeps us out of heaven, is our sins. And when we accept Jesus into our life, we have found the door that takes us right into God's very presence. So, your first purpose is to be loved by God. Your second purpose is to is to belong, and and remember this: God calls His family the church. We're not talking about denomination. We're not talking about some kind of an organization. No, uh, the the church, God's family, is is uh, international. You know, it's all over the planet, and that's what He wants. He wants us to understand He's called us family, and that's. The name, uh, you know, uh, church and family are one and the same. Listen to what he says here in 1 Timothy chapter 3. says, I am writing to you, verse 15, so you will know how to live in the family. Wouldn't it be awesome if we had a book that told us how to live in our family? How to be a very functional family? We do have such a book guys, okay? He says, I'm writing to you so you will know how to live in the family of God. The family is what? That's right, they're in the Bible. The family, that family is the church. The family of God is referred to as the church of the living God, the support and the foundation of truth. Remember this, God's family is called the church, and you have been called the church to belong. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 19 it says, so now you are no longer visitors or strangers. Now you are citizens together with God's holy people. You belong to God's family. Did y'all see that? You belong. God called you to belong. To his family, you know. This family is called what? The church. And he wants you to be a part of it. So, very important, you know, second calling, you know, the, the second purpose, the second reason, if you would, the mission of your life is to belong to God's family. The first calling is to be loved by God. Not that you love God, but that he loves you. That's what it's really all about. Romans chapter 1, verse 6 says, You are among those who have been called to belong to Jesus Christ. You have been called to belong to Jesus Christ. The word "belong." So many people in this world in which we live, they struggle with that. they, They have a need to belong, you know. And God says you've been called to belong to his family. The the Greek word for church, because family and church is the same thing here, is ecclesia. It comes from kaleo, uh, which means called. Ecclesia means the group of people called out by God. You know, in the Bible it talks about we have been called out of the darkness into his marvelous light. We have been called out from our sin and, and, and our mistakes and our failures. We've been called out to be a part of his family out of the dark, you know, side into the light of his love and his word and his mercy and his grace. So that's what that word means, you know. The called out ones have been called out of darkness into light. Now, when people hear the word church, what do most folks think church is? There it is. Oh, wow, you got a nice church here, you know. Yeah, what a nice church. It's got paint on it, you know, it's got a roof, it's got lights, you know. That's what most people think of, you know. They think of a building, you know. But uh, church, in the secular mindset, is something you go into, like we have here this morning. But the church is not a building. The church is not a location. But we think of a denomination, we think of a building, you know, we think of a program. Church isn't a program. The church is not an event. It, it is not something you go to. Well, you know, uh, I'll see you all a little bit later, and i got to go to church. We use those terms, though, don't we? But that is not what church means. Church is something you belong to. It's the family, you see. Church is a relationship is what I'm talking about here, you know? A relationship of God, a relationship of God's family. That's what church is, you know? Church is people. I walk in here this morning, I go, good morning, church. Good morning. Good morning. Is the building going to say to me, good morning, Pastor Ron? <laughs> no! When you're not in here, this is not a church. It's a building. It's a nice barn, you know? Just steeple on it. But the church is people. Church is a family. And I can say, hey, church, I'm talking to people. I'm talking to folks I have a relationship with. That's what the Bible teaches us. That's what church is. Not a denomination, not an organization. It is a family. That's what I'm talking about, you know? So, there are benefits of belonging to God's family, you know. And and God designed His family, the church, to meet our deepest needs. That's what He he did. He designed it to meet our deepest needs. The church is often uh, referred to uh, with different metaphors, you know, it's called the family, it's called the temple, it's called the body. It's called the flock. It's referred to as the garden. And you'll see these metaphors pop up throughout the Bible, you know. And it's in God's family that we learn our true identity. Now, that's something worth talking about, you know. And our true identity is is found in a relationship with God and his family. Aren't we concerned about our identity? Two of us? All right, okay. You know, let's look at our clothes for a moment. Brands. Are brands important to us, you know? The logo that's on the shirt, you know? You know, think about this for a moment. Why do we wear branded clothing? The truth of it is, we're actually paying a company to be their advertising agent. We're paying them to be their advertising agent, to promote their product. If if I'm going to wear their logo, they should pay me. Does that make sense? But we identify with their particular product, you know? And, I mean, I'm kind of cool with that, you know? I mean, I wore some of my best today, you know? I mean, are you familiar with uh, Fruit of the Loom? Boy, that's a brand and uh, DVDs, right? No, I'm sorry, it's BVDs, okay. Uh, Calvin Klein and uh, Under Armour, and uh, some of my favorites is Walmart, you know, and my new jeans from Tractor Supply. I mean, I knew that would impress you guys, I just wanted you to know, because it don't say Tractor Supply on my jeans. But see, our identity, lots of times, is, is linked into clothes. You lose your clothes, you lose your identity. You know what I'm saying? I mean, Starbucks is cool, right? You know? Oh, drinking your four-dollar cup of coffee, you know. I'm cool. Other people are going like, you know, you could have bought a pound of coffee and made it at home for that. I mean, ain't nothing wrong with drinking Starbucks coffee unless you're trying, you know, to identify with Starbucks. You know what I'm saying? Now, Apple is cool, right? You know, I got an Apple phone, you know? It's really pretty cool. And I, I, I got an Apple iPad and iPod and I got an Apple computer. But I found out something, you know? I didn't know those were cool things to have, you know? But all you have to do is just print off a symbol of Apple, stick it on your track phone or your PC, and you're cool. You know what I'm saying? But lots of times, our identity is, is linked to something so insignificant as a shirt or a logo on our phone or whatever. You think about that for a moment, you know. We think stuff will give us our identity. The truth is, most of our identity, it comes from our close relationships. That's the truth of it. You know, I am a grandson. I'm a grandson, I'm a son, I'm a father, I'm a husband. I'm actually a grandfather, you know? I'm a team member, I'm a small group member, I'm a pastor, I'm an employer, you know, I'm a neighbor, and 10,000 other things that I am based upon relationships that I have. Relationships help define us. Not a logo on your clothing, but relationships. We know who we are in relationship to people, you know. And when a relationship gets broken, you know, we have a hard time knowing who we really are. It's like often after a divorce, it's like, who am I? Who am I? I mean, because your relationship was tied to this other person. So we're struggling. Who am I now? You know what I'm talking about. And it's the same thing if a spouse. A husband or a wife goes on to be with the Lord, and and when they die, it's very common. It's natural, it's normal to think, who am I now? What's my place? What's my role? Because our identity so often, and, 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 and it's just the way life is, it's tied to our relationships, you see. You get laid off, or you get fired, and, 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 and your identity is attached to your job. And now, well, who am I now? You know, what's my identity? I, I'm no longer a, a, a fireman or a policeman or a doctor or a lawyer or an Indian chief or whatever it might be. Because, <coughs> see, our identity is attached to, <coughs> excuse me, relationships. Now, a lot of folks didn't have a good relationship growing up. You know what I'm saying? So, your family was uh, dysfunctional. You know what dysfunctional means? It's broke, okay? So, it, it may not have not been a, a real good situation. So, how can you know who you really are? It's not about wearing a shirt that has a certain logo on it, you know. Well, there's an the answer to those questions. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19, and this is your memory verse as well for the week. It says, you are members of God's very own family. Woohoo! Man, what are you talking about? That's my identity. Now, I can drop some names, you know. Who would like to drop some names? I mean, my wife's cousin. I mean, my wife, Susan, she's in the nursery right now. Her cousin, which means it's her daddy's brother's son, is Dale Jeff, a very famous race car driver, okay? What does that do for me? I don't know anything about racing, I'm going to be honest with you. A lot of you guys come and tell me what's going on, I'm going like, oh, wow, that's cool. But I'm going to drop some names that are really significant. I'm the son of Almighty God, creator of the heaven and the earth. That's where my identity is at. That's what makes a difference for me. I mean, it is amazing when you think about it. He says in Ephesians 2, 19, you are members of God's very own family, and you belong in God's household with every other Christian. I'm part of the family of God, creator, the almighty. Now, that is identity. It's based in a relationship. See, people who got religion don't have that identity. Well, I'm part of a church that does smoke and stuff and <laughs> you smell it and you go there at Christmas. And I'm talking about a relationship with God and God's family. That's our identity. And let me tell you, when you connect in a relationship with Almighty God, all the other stuff don't matter so much. You can wear proudly a Walmart shirt and feel good about it. You know what I'm saying? And you can wear your DVDs or your BVDs or Fruit of the Loom or whatever it is, and it don't make no difference because your identity is not in stuff, but it's in a relationship, you see. And that's, that's what honors God. And your spiritual family will last forever. Listen, I'm an American. I think it's the greatest country on the planet. But you need to understand something. There's something more important than being American. And and that is to be part of God's family, to be a citizen of the kingdom of God. And I am a member of the family of God. And many of you are members of the family of God. Because America ain't always going to be here. Like that statement or not, but God's kingdom will go on forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Hebrews chapter two verse eleven says, "Jesus and the people He makes, Jesus and the people He makes holy." all belong to the same family. You're part of Jesus' family. This is why he isn't ashamed to call you his brothers and sisters. Did you know that Jesus refers to you, if if you've accepted him into your life as Savior, did you know that Jesus refers to you as his brother, as his sister? He taught the disciples how to pray. We're disciples. This is how you pray. Our Father, if... If you look to the same person that I look to, and we call him Father, what does that make us? Brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters. We're in the same family, and it says here in Hebrews two eleven, Jesus and the people he makes holy all belong to the same family. That is why he isn't ashamed. He isn't ashamed. He isn't ashamed to call them his brothers and sisters. Hmm. You ever have a family member or a friend that you were ashamed of? Don't answer that question. Don't answer that question. Forget I ask it to you. Okay? Don't do not answer that question. How loud. Okay? But I want to tell you something. How many of you here have never messed up? If you raise your hand, you're, you're, you're doing it right now. You're messing up. We've all made mistakes, have we not? We, we've all messed up, but Jesus is not ashamed to call us. Now that's my family there. That's my brother. That's my sister. Jesus is not ashamed. Though you may have been ashamed of somebody in your family or or some close friends, oh, no, here comes so-and-so. Where can I hide? You know, Jesus is not ashamed of you, even though you've messed up because he forgives us, because he loves us so very, very much. A great thing about being a part of God's family, in his family, is our, our sin does not define us. A lot of people, their sin defines us. But, yeah, we've sinned. We, we, we've made a mistake. But our sin is is not the defining characteristic of who I am. Our sin is not our identity. Now, let me just make a statement here about uh, organization that's called AA. You know, now AA has done a lot of good for a lot of people. It really has. But... I think it's a little bit limited in its reach because of certain little things. And uh, this is what I've learned about AA, which is Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, what you do, you, you stand up and you say, Hi, my name is Ron, and I'm an alcoholic. Okay? And it's helped a lot of people to confess it and deal with it and so forth. But see, when you stand up and say, Hey, I'm an alcoholic. You're allowing your sin to define you. That's your identity. This is who I am. This is, this, is, this is who I am. See, there are other organizations just like it, but they don't hide the fact that their higher power is actually Jesus, <laughs> you know? And, and the way, you know, in that organization, and we have one of those right here. It's called Faith Living Recovery. And there are recovery, Christian recovery organizations all over the world, you know? But you stand up and say, hi, my name is Ron. I'm a child of God who struggles with alcohol. I'm a child of God. That's my identity. I'm having a battle with some alcohol here. See, there is a difference between saying I struggle with lying versus saying I'm a liar. There's a difference. Now, don't misunderstand me. These organizations all do some good. They really do. But I am challenging you not to let your sin define who you are. Let your relationship, hey, I'm a child of God. I'm struggling with this, but I am a child of God, and God has forgiven me. And he says, if any man's in Christ, he becomes a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So it's really important to understand that. Belonging to God's family, we will learn our true identity, who we are. Some families advertise Did you know their identity? And you've probably seen this. They have a family symbol or they have a crest of some kind. You know, Scottish people, you know, they they define their family by a certain plaid. You know, that's, that's their family plaid. And there's a lot of groups who have some kind of a mark that symbolizes them, you know, kind of brands them. I mean, gangs have certain similar tattoos and and they wear certain colors and they identify with each other because of those things. Did you know that water baptism in the Bible is is a public symbol that says, I am not ashamed to say that I am part of God's family. That's what water baptism is all about. I'm not ashamed to be part of God's family. I don't understand it all, but I'm in, you know. And I'm going to learn more... I'm worried of the family. What baby shows up in your family, you know, he's like two days old, he understands everything about the family? He doesn't. But he's there, you know. Well, water baptism is a symbol that says, hey, I'm in. Part of the family, I'm unashamed of it. In the book of Acts, it says, chapter 2, verse 41, those who believed that Peter, th- those who believed what Peter said, they were baptized, and they added to the church. And what is the church? Family. It's God's family. And they were added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. You know, our first metaphor, we are a family. That, that's the truth of it. Uh, the second I want to talk about is uh, we're a temple. And the Bible refers to us as a temple. First Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 says, don't you realize... That all of you together are the temple of God and His Spirit lives in you. We're talking about the church, we're talking about the family. He says, We are the temple of God and He lives in us. That's what it's talking about. Did you know when you go home, God is not here in this building just waiting for you to come back? You understand that? He goes with you, our bodies. It's a temple of the Holy Spirit. The Bible is very clear about that. Have you ever been to Lowe's? Home Depot. I mean, you can just wander around those places for days, can't you, you know? Some of the guys are going, yeah, wow, that's cool, man. Yes, you know? Well, the parts and the pieces and, and all the components for a beautiful house are right there at Home Depot. Right there at Lowe's, you know? But Luther looks like a great big mess because they ain't connected. You know what I'm saying? They don't really belong yet. They're just laying in a rack. Oh, I wonder what that is. You know? It's a piece. It's a part of a beautiful home that will accommodate a, a wonderful family. You know, But all those pe- pieces at Home Depot and Lowe's, they really don't make a difference when they're disconnected. You know what I'm talking about. You know? When they get connected, man, they're committed to the other parts. You know, something happens. No longer spectator, but participator. I'm participating in an awesome temple, and an awesome house. I'm connected, and being connected makes a huge difference. God used a temple to illustrate this, what it's like to be in his family, the church. Because, see, in a building... All the connected parts, you know, they support each other. This supports this, and this supports that, and this supports that. And, and all of this building was made in 18, 1873 when other new buildings have caved in under the weight of snow. This whole building is well supported because all the pieces are properly connected. You know what I'm talking about. They belong the beam this in this wall and those in the ceiling they belong there they're connected there so you and I can live here fellowship here worship here it's really amazing when you think about it the book of ephesians chapter 2 verse 21 it says in Christ in Christ I'm not in a relationship with Christ the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple See, when we're connected, when we're in Christ, the whole building, the whole family, if you would, is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, in a relationship with him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. Disconnected offers no support. But when we're connected to the family of God, Man, there is strength and there is support there. There is stability when we are connected. But if you're not connected, it's like Home Depot. You know? Well, I wonder what that would go to one day, you know? I wonder what that is, you know? Right now, it's just a big old mess down there, to be honest with you. You know what I'm talking about? See, you were not meant to go through life disconnected. You know what that is? Legos. Legos. Now, James probably has enough Legos to cover this stage with. I asked him if I wanted to borrow some, and that's all he let me have. <laughs> because he has all these other ones that are connected, and they're battleships and they're airplanes and they're this and that. Do you know what I'm saying? But what does this look like here? Something you can trip over and break your neck, you know? (laughs) Some S. Because they're disconnected. But see, even since we were little kids, since I was a little kid, I've been learning about connecting. I mean, I had Lincoln Logs. Anybody remember Lincoln Logs? Oh, they were awesome, you know. Still have some, you know. Tinker Toys. And my all-time favorite, Erector Sets they were metal you know no plastic stuff you know metal little nuts and bolts although the plastic is probably stronger than the metal in the whole erector set you know what i'm saying and legos we understand and all of these things teach us to be connected because if they're disconnected they don't do nothing it's like home depot of a bunch of stuff on shelves there it don't do nothing but you start connecting them man you make something beautiful You make something awesome, it reaches its full potential, you know. These things were designed to be connected. You were designed to be connected to belong to God's family, to his church. You're the temple of God. God doesn't live in a building. He lives in his people, to be honest with you. This is true. You are God's Lego set. And he wants you to be connected. Romans chapter 1 verse 12 says, I want us to help each other with the faith we have. I mean, that, that offers great support and stability. It says, I want us to help each other with the faith we have. Your faith will help me and my faith will help you. You know, it's like this beam will help that one, and that one will help this one, and that one will help that one, and you can build something that has a purpose, you see. And that's what he's talking about here. See, many parts um, that are well-connected can accomplish something, but, you know, many parts disconnected will accomplish nothing. So you something to stumble on in the dark, you know. And God never intended you to do life alone. Romans chapter 12, verse 4, it says, Just as there are many parts to our bodies, so it is with Christ's body. Wow, this is interesting. The metaphor is talking about the body. And we understand we got many parts. Just as there are many parts to our bodies, so it is with Christ's body. We're all parts of it talking about Christ's body. It takes every one of us. Let's read this together. It takes every one of us to make it complete. Do you understand that? It takes every one of us. I mean, have you ever uh, uh, had a jigsaw puzzle that was missing a piece? <laughs> now, nah, be honest. I mean, it's like maybe it was a piece of sky a little blue something or a little green something over there. I was like how really important is that one piece you build the puzzle and you're going like everybody search look we got to find the other piece is that right we want it complete we don't want to have not one piece missing oh how terrible oh that one little piece of blue oh it's so important where are you blue you know so important. really is, you know. Let me read this verse again, Romans 12, 4. It says, just as there are many parts to our bodies, so it is with Christ's body. We're part of the body of Christ. We're all parts of it. And it takes every every one of us to make the body of Christ complete. For we each have different work to do. We belong to each other. Not only do we belong to God, but we belong to each other. We belong to each other, like my fingers belong to the hand. And if, you know, if I don't like you anymore, I'm just going to go do my own thing. You know what the own thing? The only thing it can do is nothing. That's the thing I reckon. No thing. I don't belong there anymore. Yes, you do. And you can accomplish a whole lot more when you're connected. And the scripture says, and it's referring to us as the body of Christ. It says, it takes every one of us to make it complete. For we each have different work to do. We belong to each other. And each of us needs all the others. You need you, and 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 you need you. We're all connected, and we can accomplish things together. We must be connected. When you're talking about the body, or we die. We must be connected. It's it's vital that we are connected. You know, we cannot fulfill our destiny. We cannot fulfill our purpose, and neither can any of those guys down there. Disconnected. We just can't fulfill it. You know, we belong to God, and we belong to God's family. We belong to His church. We belong to His body. Usually. It says in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 15, it says, if your foot says, now can you imagine if your foot could talk? (laughs) The Bible is is using this metaphor, and it says, if your foot says, you know, it's like your foot's talking to you. If if your foot says, well, I'm not part of the body because I'm not a hand. The hand is out there, and everybody sees I'm just stuck in a piece of shoe hair. Nobody gets to see me much, you know? Can you imagine if your foot was talking like that? Can you tell me, how important is your foot? Very important. Extremely important. How important is your toe? How important is your toenail? If you have a little problem with your toenail, can it affect the rest of the body? Absolutely. Super important, although it's not visible. It's it's hidden away. If your foot says, Well, I'm not part of the body because I'm not a hand, that doesn't mean it that doesn't make it any less a part of the body. And if your ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm only an ear and I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? The answer is no. All of the parts of are 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 important. You know, some are more visible, but they're all important. There's parts that are covered like our toes, and there's parts that are internal, our organs and all that nobody sees. How important are those parts? Huge. And you are a part. You belong to God's family. And you reach your full potential when you are connected. In the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 16, it says, He makes the whole body fit together how? Perfectly. I'll just read it to you. Ephesians 4, 16 says, He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is what? Healthy. How many of you want to have your whole body healthy? And God wants the body of Christ, his family, the church. He wants us to be healthy. And when we're all connected, it says, so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Ephesians 4.25 says, in Christ's body. When we're in a relationship, you know, in Christ's body, that's his family, that's the church. In Christ's body, we're all connected to each other. Disconnected, we die. It's just the way it is. You know, uh, the next metaphor I just want to briefly talk about is a flock, The Bible refers to us as being a flock. You know, the flock is talking about sheep and how they band together. And in the uh, uh, 100th Psalm, verse 3, it says, God made us, and we are his. We are his people. We are the sheep of his pasture, talking about a flock. Now, see, from what I've read and I've studied and I understand that sheep have no natural defense against predators. All they can butt them with their head but they have no real natural defense. They don't have claws and teeth to fight with and and things like that, you know. So sheep must be protected by the shepherd. The shepherd takes care of them, makes sure they eat the right things and make sure they're in a a, a place of safety during the night, you know. You you, you don't care, uh, have to care for cows the same way you care for sheep. You don't have to care for horses the same way you care for sheep. You don't have to care for chickens the same way you care for sheep, you know. Sheep are very, very dependent. They're dependent on a shepherd. Sheep are dependent. You and I are the sheep of his pasture, it says here in Psalms 100, verse 3. We're very dependent upon a shepherd. Probably one of the most well-known verses in the Bible is found in the 23rd Psalm. Let me read to you out of the Living Bible. It says, because the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything that I need. Wow, now I'm interested. I have everything I need when he's my shepherd. I want to be connected to the flock because there I have everything I need. My shepherd is going to take care of me. Because the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything that I need. He lets me rest in meadow grass. He leads me beside quiet streams. He gives me new strength, and he helps me do what honors him the most. Even when I'm walking through the dark valley of death, I won't be afraid, for you are close beside me, shepherd. You know, you're guarding and guiding all the way. You provide delicious food for me in the presence of my enemies. Even in my enemies, I can sit down and eat because I know my shepherd's there. He's gonna take care of me, you see? In the presence of my enemies, you welcome me as your guest. Blessings overflow. I mean, it's like, I want to be a sheep. I just want to be a sheep. If you're the shepherd, I want to be part of your flock, you know? You now, uh, I would challenge you sometime today, because we don't have time to do it right now, but I would challenge you to read the book of John, uh, just the chapter, John chapter 10. And, and, and in, in John chapter 10, Jesus says, hey, I'm the good shepherd, the good shepherd you know, uh, he lays down his life for his sheep, you know. There's all kinds of parts of it, you know. A, a hired uh, shepherd, a hireling, he runs when a wolf comes, you know. But not the true shepherd. He lays down his life for the sheep, you know. He, he cares about the sheep. He, 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 he gives it all for the sheep. Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. I mean, we're talking about relationship here. Jesus uses this metaphor about the the flock. He says, "I lay down my life for my sheep. They listen to my voice and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and, and they will never perish. And no one can ever, as they were able to snatch them out of my hand." Here, you know, we are protected. We are cared for in this metaphor, you know, of, of uh, you know belonging. I belong to God's flock. The Lord is my shepherd. That's my identity. He's my Shepherd, and he promises all these wonderful things, you know, that he's going to take care of me, you know. God, he does care for you. God will protect you. And we need to understand our identity, you know. And I'm telling you, when you're part of God's family, when you're part of the flock, someone will, will step up to bat for you when you need it. I'm telling you, that's the way it is. A shepherd will make sure of that. Someone will step up to bat for you, when you need that to take place, and someone will walk into your life when everybody else walks out, when you are a part of God's family, when you are connected. See, because we do this thing called life. We do this together. And that's what the church is. It's the family. The church is the flock. We really are. All these wonderful metaphors help us to grasp the reality of this. Now, Listen to what the Bible says to pastors. This is pretty, pretty heavy kinds of stuff. To shepherds. And shepherds and pastors are all the same. And I have quite a few people who help me, and they function as pastors, and they, 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 they function as, as uh, shepherds, and they help to shepherd our flock, this right here. And it says in 1 Peter 5, 2, it says, take care of God's flock. This is talking to shepherds, you know, pastors. Take care of God's flock, his people, that you're responsible for watch over them because you want to not because you're forced to hmm now listen to this this is the scariest verse in the Bible for me Hebrews thirteen seventeen says obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say their work is to watch over your soul and they know they're accountable to God I'm accountable to God for what I teach and what I share and what I minister to God's flock. See, I, I am, and it, it's scary. And I say, pray for your pastor and your pastoral team who's all involved in, in the church of caring for the flock, who's, you know, more mature in the family. They're older. You know how it's so much easier for a, a, an older brother or sister to teach one of the younger ones than a parent to even teach them. Have you noticed that? You know, the young kids learn from the older kids. And I don't know if you notice this or not, but shepherds don't give birth to sheep. Sheep give birth to sheep. So what I'm saying is, is the sheep, the mature sheep help care for the younger sheep. Does that make sense? That's just the way God set it up. And truly, even all the shepherds and the pastors who help out here are just underlings, if you would, because the bottom line is the Lord is our shepherd, and, and we'll have everything that, that we need, you know, but as we're teaching one another, and this happens lots of times in life groups, we care for each other, and those who open their home, and those who are facilitating, you know, in these life groups, they're, they're caring for you, and they're teaching. By example, they're, you remember in the Bible, it talks about the one another's to love one another, to care for one another, to help one another, encourage one another. There's a whole bunch of one another's there that we do because we belong. And we want to help those who are disconnected. We want to kind of put all the pieces together and we want to demonstrate to them what God's plan and his purpose is. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, it says, share each other's blessings and, uh, what's it say? Share each other's troubles. And problems. And in this way, you obey the law of Christ. Does anybody know what the law of Christ is? Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor the same way you love you. you know, if you get cold, you put on a sweater. If your neighbor gets cold, give him your sweater. You know what I'm talking about. This is what Jesus does. Goes and finds another sweater. You know? Share each other's troubles and problems. And in this way, you obey. The law of Christ. First Thessalonians 5:11 says, "Encourage each other and give each other strength." When you encourage someone, you're giving them strength. And the awesome thing about giving strength away, when you give some of your strength away, you don't have less. You actually end up having more. That's just the truth. Though. You you invest a little bit of time to encourage somebody else. Wow, well, it encourages you. If if ever go to see somebody, well, I'm just going to stop by and see somebody to encourage them, and you're the one who's encouraged. Well, if you haven't done that, you need to sign up for some of the things that we do because we do a lot of that and you're always encouraged when you try to encourage somebody else. Um, Question. You don't have to answer this question out loud, but who's looking after you? Second question. Who are you looking out for? Who are you in a relationship with as a, a mature sheep, if you would, a mature brother or sister in the family of God? Who are you looking out for? Who are you trying to get connected to the rest of the body? Think about this for just a moment. And this is something that's just absolutely astounding and amazing. Your hurts and your habits and your hang-ups, your sins, your mistakes, your weaknesses, the thing that if the public found out about you, you'd be terribly embarrassed. People knew the things that you've been through, and the things that you've done. It would so embarrass you. But in the body of Christ, we share our past. Honey, I wrestle with the same thing. You do? You mean I'm not just weird? No. And let me share some of the things that I've learned how to be victorious in these areas. And sister so-and-so, brother so-and-so, would y'all come over here? No. You've had that going on in your life too? Yes. Does that encourage? And it strengthens the one who shares it. The Bible says we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. So when we share what in the world would be so embarrassed that I'm ashamed to have to tell you that I'm human, you know, it's like people go, well, if there's hope for you, maybe there's hope for me. And you've been through some horrible things that you just don't want nobody to know about, but when you share them in a life group setting, in a small group setting, people go, thank you so much for telling me that. I, I, I thought that I was just crazy or I was just something weird or something like I see there's hope now. See? God uses those things in our past. Though so the devil tried to take us out with, but we can share those things, and it gives hope and encouragement and strength to other people. It's pretty amazing when you think about it. Well, our final, and we need to unplug here, metaphor is the garden. And if you'll just go read John chapter 15 today, where Jesus talks about he's the vine, the father is the gardener, you're the branch. When you're branch, Connected to the vine, productive. You reach your full potential. You produce a lot of fruit. When vine is Jesus, is connected with the branch. But if branch is cut off of the vine, what happens? Branch dies. It dies. Disconnected. It's a mess. But when the branch, you, are connected to the vine, and, and the father is the gardener, you know? He's trying to get us all connected. He, he's trying to to help us reach our full potential and be productive like a grapevine is going to be later on in the fall. You know, I pruned some grapevines the other day. If you looked at my grapevines, it's <laughs> like, Pastor, you waited really late to prune those things. I did. I know that, you know? It looks like a stick out there now, just a dry stick. <laughs> but I've done this every, every year, and it's like, it will blossom and bloom, and it'll have all these luscious green leaves. It'll have great big clusters of grapes hanging down from there. And the Father wants you to be productive and be fruitful. That's what he wants from all of us. So that's in John chapter 15. If you read that today, it would greatly inspire you. you know, Remember this, you belong to God, and you belong to God's family. Stay connected. Now, teenagers who are here, if there are any, there was a, a lot here last night. Going to our epic youth ministry that was awesome. But I want you to understand if you're a young person, your gifts and you are just as important as any adult has ever been. You are really, 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 really important. And I cannot challenge you enough to serve God and serve God's family. It's so important to reach your full potential. If you live the life that God made you to live, think about this you need power, you need power to live on, you need people to live with. You need principles to live by. You need a plan to live out and you need a purpose to live for. Stay connected to God's family, reach your full potential, be productive, make a difference, make your life count. And that only happens when we remain connected to God's family. And that's the church. And I'm telling you, it's the church that is the hope of the world. The church is the hope of the world, not politics. It's not economics it's the hope of the world. It's not education that's the hope of the world. It really is not. But it's the church. It's the family of God. It's God and his family that is the hope of the world. And I challenge you, young and old alike, get involved. Get connected. Stay connected. Now, I want to draw an imaginary line. Can you imagine someone... Draws and, imagine, and they draw a line. You're imagining the line that's drawn in the sand. And Jesus is on this side, and he says, hey, you want to get connected? You want to get involved? You want to reach your full potential? Step across that line, you know. And that's what I want to challenge you to do today. Let's bow our heads if we could. Again, I want you to see that line in your imagination that Christ has drawn in the sand. And he says, you belong on this side. Come out of the darkness. Come over on my side. You belong. I loved you from the beginning. You belong. in my family, you belong here. Would you step across the line? Because he'll never force you to step across that line. But it is a choice. And he invites you to step across that line. If you're willing to step across that line this morning... I want you to see it in your mind as we pray together. I want you to imagine yourself. You're getting up, you're walking, you're stepping across that line, and Jesus is embracing you. He's welcoming you as part of his family. He's going to help you reach your full potential. That's what he's after for you. Would you pray with me right now? Those of you who know him, reaffirm your faith. Those of you who just want to know him, Join us as we pray, right now together. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to reach my potential, my full potential. I believe you love me. I believe you have awesome plans for the rest of my life. I choose this day to step across that line, to embrace you, To be connected to you and to your family and reach my full potential. I believe that Jesus paid for my sins. And I believe He rose from the dead. And I believe He's knocking at the door of my life. And I open that door and I welcome Jesus as my Savior, as my Lord. And as my king, I'm sorry for my sinful ways. And I turn from those things. And I choose this day to live my life in a way that will honor you and help others get connected. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You're going to leave in just a couple moments, and... uh, if you prayed with me just now for the very first time and you welcome Christ into your life, stop at our Connections desk on your way out. We've got a little gift bag. It's got a, a movie and a Bible and some other little goodies that I believe would inspire you. It's yours. Just tell them, hey, I want that gift bag Pastor Ron was talking about. And if you're a guest, we have a beautiful little gift back there for all of our guests who's here for the first time. Let them know you're a guest. They'll give it to you. It's just one of our ways of saying thank you for coming, and we hope you come back. We're going to continue along this line next weekend and uh it is not too late to get involved in a life group i'm telling you you will never regret it you'll be saying thank you thank you thank you for encouraging me to be in a life group we have uh over 200 people who are in life groups right now and mike uh mike you back there back mike kane is our life group director he's over all that and he'll help you get connected in a, a good life group and uh, he'll get you a book you know, in a workbook. And this right here, it's just a a daily devotion that you'll just read one a day. And it is so inspiring. You will never regret the investment of time. And we found out it really works out good. If a member of your family would like to read for everybody, that works out good. But you can also get an app on your phone that will read it for you as well. So we live in a high-tech world, don't we? Check it out. Uh, If you need some prayer, there'll be some folks around the altar up here who would love to pray with you And would you greet one another on your way out? God bless you. You are dismissed. Oh, don't forget this. If there's a grammatical error on the uh, weekly challenge, it's totally my fault. And there is an error. So read it, see if you can figure it out. It says, I will strive this week to discover where to get involved and to how to remove one of those twos and how to better connect with my spiritual family, the church. If you agree with that, check it off, drop it in the tithe box. God bless you. You are dismissed.